And uh, I want you to take your Bibles with me today and turn uh, to the book of Second Peter. Hopefully you have uh, your Bible, your copy of God's Word with you. And uh, on the way in, if you didn't pick one up this year, uh, we'll have these at the, uh, at, the, at the foyer and at the entry points. Just a listening guide uh, to help you with uh, what I'm going to preach on. And so we'll provide those each week. If you're a note taker and you want to take notes, uh, we'll allow you to have those. And uh, we're, have, we're going through the Bible this year and actually going through a study uh, on God's attributes. Hopefully every family got them a box like this over Christmas. It's our gift to you. The best thing a pastor can give his people is the Word of God. And it's a precious gift that God gives us. It's the key to knowing God. And uh, what we're going to do each week is reach in this box as we will today. And we're going to find the first card that's in there for what says week one. Now listen, I know on the side it says 52 weekly sermons, and you're going to say, but pastor, I've already seen the end of the box. It says week 53. Well, there's 53 Sundays in 2023, so you get an extra Sunday in 2023. So I haven't lost my marbles. I know there's 52 weeks in a year. Uh, but each week we're going to pull one of these cards out. There's a verse that we're going to focus on and uh, a text in Scripture that we're going to look on. We're going to answer some questions and learn more about who God is, and then you can take that verse, memorize it this week, meditate on it, turn it over at your kitchen table, at dinner table, or perhaps as you're just driving down the road, and, or maybe even in the office. Imagine putting the Word of God out in our offices and in our factories, amen? That'd be pretty good, don't you think? Uh, just saturating the Word, and someone says, hey, what's going on? What's that? Well, well I'm learning about God this year, and in, in learning about His attributes, who He is, and what kind of God He is, and, and here's a verse that we're memorizing this week, and so... You've already read that verse from 2 Peter chapter 1, but I'm going to invite you in a moment to stand. Not yet. Hopefully you're turning in your Bibles there. Uh, but we're going to, as a family of God, go through and learn about God's attributes. Who is God and what He is like. And we're opening to hear God speak from His Word, from the Scriptures, uh, because God speaks to us there. Now listen, I know there's some, perhaps you know someone who's an atheist. You ever heard of one of them? Or you ever known someone who says, I'm an atheist. What does that mean? Well, an atheist says, you know, it's, it's a word, a Greek word that comes from ah, which means not, and theos, God. And they are one who claims there is no God. They believe there is no God. And they are so certain of it that they know enough knowledge. Uh, they would have to possess infinite knowledge, right, to know that there is no God. And, and, and yet, just stop and think about it. That's not really intellectually honest, is it? For someone to claim that they know enough to know that there is no God. Because if someone knows all things, by definition, that one would be who? God. So an atheist really isn't intellectually honest about uh, what they claim to know. A more humbled position, a more humble position, and might we say uh, a more honest position that they should take is one that's called being an agnostic. That's another Greek word. Ah, gnosis is two Greek words. Ah means no, gnosis means knowledge. In other words, an agnostic is one who says, well, there might be a God or there might not be, but the truth is I just don't know him. I just haven't come to know him. And the reality there, that is more honest at least. And, and for that individual, they at least are humble enough to say, you know what, I don't know, I don't possess all knowledge, have infinite knowledge to know that there isn't a God. But, but if there is a God, I just don't know him yet. Well, the truth may be, God may be introducing himself to them, but they're rejecting his invitation to know him. Now, we're not atheists who are gathered this morning. We're not agnostics who are gathered this morning. We are believers who have come to know him. 
We choose to believe God has made himself known. And you can know God. We can know him. And it's important for those who claim to know God and have a knowledge of him that we know the right things about God. That we know the truth about him. On the back of this box is one of my favorite authors, A.W. Tozer. And uh, he has a wonderful book called The Attributes of God, or The Knowledge of the Holy is what the proper title is. But in it, he has a quote, and it's this. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Why is it the most important thing about us? Because for you and I to claim that we know God, we need to know him accurately. We need to know him as he is. And we need to entertain thoughts about him that are accurate. The imaginations of our heart, the, the, the things that we meditate on in our minds, the, the, the things that we believe about him. If we don't believe the right thing about him, that can have serious implications for our life. If we think of God in a way that he really is not, that, that wouldn't be worship, right? Because true worship is declaring of God who he truly is. And he is worthy of praise, worthy of worship because of how he has manifested himself and revealed himself. And so we want to be authentic worshipers who claim to know God and to be known by him. And it's critical that I entertain right thoughts about him because if I think something of God that really isn't accurate about him, it's a truth. Listen, if I say, claim something that I believe about God, but it's not truly representing him, well, that's not worship. What that is is idolatry. It is declaring something of God that he is not. Now, that is not something we want to be guilty of. And in fact, 1 John is a warning at the very end. My little children, guard yourself from idols. Guard yourself from, listen, false knowledge, wrong thinking about who God is and what he's like. Believers should want to know God fully as he is and worship him as he is. And so I want my thoughts, I want my meditations to be accurate reflections about who God is and what he's like. And it's the study of God's attributes through this year that enables you and enables me to know him in a way that he truly is. And that will impact our worship on Sunday morning and it will impact our worship throughout the week. Because as believers, listen, our worship isn't limited to what happens for the one hour that we're in this sanctuary. Your worship, my worship, listen, is a lifestyle. It's the way we live throughout the week. Uh, We are presenting ourselves, listen, as living sacrifices, worshiping. It's just a reasonable thing to do when we've been graced by God and saved by Him. And because we have been, we worship Him, we praise Him. And the best thing you and I can do is to have fellowship with Him and think about Him as He truly is. So how can we know, God? Can we really know God? One of my other favorite authors, Francis Schaeffer, who my sixth born is named after, Uh, Francis Schaeffer said this, God is there and he's not silent. He's speaking. Right now, he's speaking to you and to me. In fact, as you drove in, he was speaking to us. In fact, creation, general revelation, is speaking a message, but it's without words. It's declaring what Paul would say over in Romans chapter 1. That there is an almighty, powerful God who made all things. Just because some reject it and want to embrace a a theory of evolution doesn't mean that they're intellectually honest and true and they know what's right. No, no, no. God is speaking through creation. And and, And what it's saying is there's an amazing God with incredible creativity. Amen? And design. An incredible designer. But we don't know his name, but he is out there. 
In fact, he's not just speaking there. He is spoken through a living word, the Messiah, the Christ. And when Jesus came, he was the word of God that was with God and was God and the word that took on flesh and came and dwelt among us. And not only that, this canon right here, this book, this canon of scripture speaks to us. Listen, what it says in Hebrews chapter 4, the word of God is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. It's speaking right now. The question is, are we listening to what God might be saying to us? Because he isn't just speaking to give us some information. Oh, by the way, I'm here. Oh, by the way, I'm a great and mighty God. Oh, by the way, listen, I have a plan and a purpose that I'm about. He's speaking so that our lives might be changed, might be transformed. And he speaks so that you and I will grow in our knowledge of him and our understanding of him. But in order for that to happen, I have to incline my ear. Not just up right here, these two things. This ear right here in my heart. I have to have a hearing heart that wants to hear the truth of God. Because it's that truth that will transform my life. And it starts right here in my heart and in your heart. Now if you're... Wanting to know God, because he can be known. I'm going to show you right here from 2 Peter chapter 1 in just a moment. We can know God, and we can know him in a way that will transform our lives. Then he will speak to you. Listen, if you're going to be like an atheist and say, I know more than God, he won't speak to you. Because you don't have a heart ready to hear it. If you say, well, I don't know if there's a God out there, if I'd really want to know him. No, 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 there is a gracious, almighty God. Extending a hand of grace holding back a hand of judgment, you do want to know him. You, you do, because you're going to have to deal with him at some point in your life. It's better to deal with him now before there's a great judgment that comes. So if, if you don't have either of those two dispositions and you're ready to hear him speak today, he will speak to you. And he'll speak to you all throughout the year when you open the word and hear him speak. So are you ready to hear him speak? Because God can be known. And you can know him today. If you've never known him, you can know him in a personal and intimate way. I want you to stand with me and honor the word of the Lord. I'm going to read all four verses because I need all four to, to walk through the text today. Because Peter is inviting you and inviting me to answer and understand the question that we're asking this week. Can God be known? Peter writes to a Simon Peter, a bondservant, an apostle of Jesus Christ. To those who have obtained, like precious faith, with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge, there's that word, of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. How? Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. That through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Will you pray with me? Father in heaven, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart right now would be pleasing to you. God, I pray the anointing upon your word as it pierces our hearts, as it opens up our hearts and helps us to see a God who can be known. And Father, I pray if there's one today who doesn't know you in this sanctuary or listening on the radio or watching online. God, if they don't know you, may they realize today they can know you and you can radically change their life. And I pray you would grant them repentance and faith to believe that and to follow you. Now, Lord, I pray also that you would encourage our hearts, those who do know you. 
that we might know you more and that we might be more equipped to give the apologia, as Peter would tell us. To be prepared to give the apologia, the defense of the faith, because we have come to know you. And we might give that more faithfully in 2023 to those around us as we declare there is a God who can be known, made known. And we ask all these things now in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. And amen. You may be seated. Can we really know God? Now listen, don't say God doesn't exist. It's the fool, Psalm 14, who says what? There is no God. Everyone knows there is a God, Romans 121. The heavens are declaring the glory of God, Psalm 19. All of creation is speaking. All of the, uh, not audibly, but all of creation is speaking. And it's speaking a word that there is a God. Even if you haven't seen him, even if you say, I haven't heard him. Just because we choose not to listen or to look doesn't mean he's not there. He is. And he's speaking. And we have a word from someone today who speaks to us who knew God. Who walked with him. Who walked with his son. Who saw him. Who saw him do amazing miracles like healing, uh, giving blind man eyes to see. Healing the lame and the sick. Even raising a dead man. He saw the Lord walk on water. In fact, he tried to walk on water for just a moment as he had his eyes on the Lord and, and stepped out of the boat. He, he listened to the teaching that Jesus had and heard the authoritative teaching. He also denied the Lord three times. But he was restored by the Lord and he bore witness and testified and preached an incredible sermon on the day of Pentecost. It's Simon Peter. And he reveals important truths for you and for me that we can know God. In fact, all throughout this particular epistle, 2 Peter, he emphasizes knowledge over and over and over again. I'm going to highlight that as we just walk through the text. Can you really hear from God? Well, Peter did. He, he walked with him. He heard the word of God. He saw the word who became flesh. And he knew him. And he says, listen, I'm Simon Peter. I'm just a bond servant, a humble servant of the Lord who's been commissioned and called and sent out as an apostle by Jesus Christ. And I'm writing to you. Who's you? Well, to those who have obtained like precious faith. Now, if you look in his first epistle, he wrote to a geographic region. He wrote to all these churches, these spread out pilgrims that were spread out probably because of persecution. And maybe they were also spread out because God had dispersed them in order that the truth of the gospel might be made known to those who don't know him. And he's writing now not to a specific region. He's writing to specific individuals. And who are those individuals? Those who have like precious faith. Peter says, listen, we knew him, and you know him, and you can know him. Me, I, Simon Peter, the fisherman, the one who struck, uh, stuck my foot in my mouth several times, the, the one who denied Jesus, the one who Jesus reinstated to feed his sheep. I, I have come to know him. I have precious faith, and you have faith just like me. You have obtained this. It's been graciously given to you. God's gracious gift, emphasizing, listen, that any time you come to know God, it's not something we do, it's something he does. It's his work in your heart and my heart. I have can, Listen, if you're obstinate, if you're unwilling to know, he's not going to work in your heart. But if I'm yielded and surrendered and allowing God to speak to me, he will speak to you. He will, listen, he, I mean, what did he tell over in Jeremiah? You will search for me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. 
Peter says, we have obtained God's gracious faith. We have obtained this precious gift from him, precious faith, by righteousness through the Lord Jesus Christ. And what we have, you can have also. In fact, you may already have it today, and I'm writing to you. Now, this faith that we possess, Peter, that he possessed, he wanted to share it with others. Why? Well, when you read later in 2 Peter, what you realize in chapter 3, verse 9, is that did you realize God doesn't want anyone to perish? It's not God's desire that anyone go to hell. God's desire is not that people perish, but that they repent and they turn to Him. They turn from sin and self and turn to Him. That's what God wants. He wants everyone to know Him as He is because He's a gracious God. And He wants everyone to experience that grace. You can read about that grace over in 1 Peter. As he talks about and highlights in chapter 2 particularly, just the graciousness of God. He is a good God. Praise the Lord for that this morning. Amen. Listen, I love what Lucy said to Aslan. I was just thinking about this. Uh, in the Chronicles of Narnia, when she says, you know, Aslan, he's a mighty, mighty lion. Yeah, he is. But praise God, he's good, was the response to her. He is good, and he is almighty. And Peter, listen, Peter was the channel that God used, not only in, on, on the day of Pentecost, but over in Acts chapter 10. And when Peter went up on the top of a roof, and, and God revealed to Peter, hey, Peter, listen. I want the Gentiles to know me like the Jews know me. I want faith to be possible for all peoples. And he gave him a great vision. Uh, three times he let a sheet down with animals on it that were unclean. And he said, arise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter realized in that moment, the Spirit of God was revealing to him, you know what? Faith is for everyone. Faith is for everyone to experience. We shouldn't limit offering it to anybody. Uh, God doesn't desire that. Why should we? We should find every opportunity to share uh, the faith that we have experienced through righteousness that comes in Jesus Christ, our God and Savior Jesus Christ, as he'll say here in this verse, with anyone and everyone around us. Praise God, it includes you and me this morning, amen? It includes everyone who's watching online right now. It includes anyone who's listening. Listen, and it includes your neighbors that you're going to go home and live beside today. And it's going to include your boss and your coworkers, even if they're, you know, like Pharaoh, right? God wants them to have a relationship with him. Peter says, listen, we've known him and you've known him. And how do we know him? By faith. By faith, how do we, how do we achieve that? It's a precious faith. It's a gift from God. Listen, as Paul would say in Ephesians chapter 2, it's not something we earn. It's not something we deserve. It's just God's gift to us. Praise the Lord. I like presents at Christmas. Amen. This is the greatest gift that God's given to us. His precious son. And the faith that you and I might trust and believe in him. Well, it just makes sense that that faith comes to us and we're made right with God. We experience the righteousness that comes from God. That righteousness comes by faith. And that faith is in our God and our Savior. Listen, in the Greek, the article is for both of those terms, which means it's referring to one person, not two distinct persons. Our God and our Savior is the Lord Jesus Christ. And our faith rests in him this morning. And we've come to know him and be made right with him through faith. In other words, when there needs to be a point in your life, like Treasurer, he did it uh, last Sunday here on Christmas Day. And he's gone through the waters and testified of it. There needs to be a time in your life where you say, you know what, I'm a wretched sinner. God have mercy on me. And I bow my knee. And by faith, I want to trust in the sacrifice that was offered at Calvary. 
And I want to put my trust in that sacrifice. I want to turn from my sin. And I want you to save me from my sin, Lord. And it's through our repentance and faith that there is a new birth. We're regenerated and we become born again. Peter writes about that over in 1 Peter chapter 1. I'll highlight that in just a moment. That faith that we have makes us right with God. It's as Paul would say here in Romans chapter 1. The just shall live by faith. Quoting from Habakkuk chapter 2. He, he quotes that. And so we're made right with our maker. Not through anything you and I did. But all that Jesus did. He who knew no sin became sin for us. So that we might become what? The righteousness of God. We might be made right with the Father. And praise the Lord for that. Everything that Jesus Christ accomplished. When he died on that cross. And he made. Hey, listen. He lived the righteous life we never could live. He died for the unrighteous in our place and was silent before the shearers. And then he now offers to you and for me the righteousness in an exchange. Praise the Lord that we can be right with God. Peter says this is what we have and it's what you have. We have come to know him and you can know him. And this is more than just a head knowledge. This isn't just I know some facts about Jesus and I can quote a couple verses. This is an intimate, personal, thorough, deep knowledge not in some mystical way it's based on truth evidence historical evidence and people who come to know God want others to know him just as Peter writes to them if you, if you flip over just a couple pages to first John which is the next uh, epistle what John would say there in first John chapter one says you know our eyes have seen our hands have handled the word of God that the word that you know became flesh we saw him we touched him and in fact, we're writing these things who have seen, whose eyes have beheld, and whose hands have handled the word of God. Why? We're writing so you might have fellowship with us because our fellowship is with him. And you might have joy because of it. It's amazing. That's what they're saying. Listen, not only God can be known, he can be known intimately. You, you, can, you can wrap your arms around and say, but I can't feel today. Well, here's the amazing thing. You see, imagine if Jesus had stayed in that physical body and not gone to back to the Father. He would be limited to space to be in one location. And he would not be able to be known in the same way by everyone because there would be a limitation of space. But in God's plan, the Father sent the Son, the Son went back, and now the Spirit, the, the Spirit of Jesus Christ is available to any and all, all throughout created order. And we all can know Him, and His Spirit can speak to us, and we can know Him just as they know him, knew Him. Praise the Lord this morning. I can know God. You can know God. Don't make the excuse that you can't. There is like precious faith available. It only comes by one way, through faith. And those who have been made right with God through the blood of Jesus Christ. But you can know God, just like the apostles did. In other words, you listen, you say, I just wish, you know, Pastor Chris, if I walked with him by the Sea of Galilee, I, I, I would believe. I mean, if I saw the miracles, I would believe. If I had a chance to walk on water, I'd believe. You say all those things. Well, let me show you something now that Peter says. Not just that we can know him, not by that experience that they have, but through his word. Notice what he says here in verse 2. And then I'm going to highlight something later in this chapter. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. God wants you to experience his grace. God wants us to experience his peace. And we experience that through the knowledge of him. Well, where are we going to get that knowledge? Is there any place that we can have certain knowledge? Is there any place that we can get the knowledge that we need to experience this grace and this peace? Oh, yeah. 
I took a little circle and I drew a line around uh, this verse, the knowledge there in verse 2. And then I drew a line in my Bible down to verse 16. Yours may be across the page. What I, I love to mark my Bibles, and it's okay. Listen, when I preach your funeral, though I'm not looking forward to doing that really soon, okay? But when I do preach funerals, I love to take a believer's Bible and just open it up and go from Genesis to Revelation, see where they heard God speak, what they believe about him. Mark it up. Let me know. Oh, man, I heard God speak right here. Because when I preach your funeral, there's nothing greater testimony to your family to know they knew God. Oh, they walked with him. And they heard God speak. And he changed their lives. I draw this line from there in knowledge in verse 2 down to verse 16. Why? Because Peter tells us where they got their knowledge of God. They were eyewitnesses. He says, we didn't follow some cleverly devised uh, fables, some cunningly devised fables. When we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Beloved, we have a sure word that speaks to us. Peter says, we had a sure word. We didn't have some fables. We had the sure thing. We saw we were eyewitnesses. And we received from God the Father honor. And we saw him when he received from God the Father honor and glory. When such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Peter's referring back to the Mount of Transfiguration. What greater experience than to see Jesus, that veil, listen, of the flesh opened up for a moment and the glory of God coming forth. I mean, that would have been some experience. You say, man, if I could just have that experience, I would believe today. I would say, I know God. I, I, I've come to know him. Watch what Peter says right here. Verse 18. And we heard the voice. And which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have, watch this, the prophetic word confirmed. Which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place. Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this first that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation or inspiration. For prophecy never came by the will of man. But holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. What Peter is saying is saying, oh man, we had some experience on the mountain. We saw the glory. We heard the voice. Amazing. We got something better than that experience. And it's the word of God. The prophetic word made more sure. Why? Because the word of God that you hold in your lap right now, the word of God that we open here every Sunday morning and in Bible classes, the word of God that we open in our devotions, this word is a, as sure a guide as that experience that Peter had on the mountain. Why? Because the Spirit of God inspired men to write that book, to write every letter. He's kind of the picture he gives is, listen, imagine a ship with a sail. And it's kind of like the riders were the ships with the sails. They didn't privately interpret, well, I think I'll write this today. God used their uh, special abilities. God used their, their different upbringings, whether it was Dr. Luke or, or Peter or John or Amos or Obadiah. He used all of their experiences to, to, to craft those things or King David. But they were like ships with sails. And the spirit went like this with air and blew them in the ship. And the ship started moving and the ship started writing. Oh, I'm going to write this. I'm going to write this. And what you and I have, listen, as good as the, as the experience that Peter had on the mountain when he saw the glory and heard the word, that's this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. We have something that we, right here, this living word, inspired by the Spirit of God. And here's the amazing thing. The Spirit who is now our encourager and walks with us, 
It's that spirit who inspired them to write this stuff down. It's that spirit that helps you and I understand what they wrote down. It's that spirit, John chapter 14, John chapter 16, who guides us into all truth. He convicts us when we don't believe. And when we do believe, he convinces us, you believe the right thing. Now keep going in this direction. And here's the word of God. And that spirit comes to dwell in you and dwell in me and enable us to know him. In fact, what we have is not just the spirit who is inspired. We have a certain true knowledge of God. And it's that spirit who inspires them and, and enlightens us to understand what they have written. You don't need special knowledge. You don't need speculative knowledge. Some mystical fancy thing uh, that, well, God just told me to write this. Can God inspire people today to write those things? Well, the canon's closed. There's no need for anything new to be added to it. The canon's been closed. The blank pages in the Bible are not for new revelations from God. All right, if that's the case, stop and think. Let's just logically think that through, okay? If, if God gave somebody a word, a new word that we need to add, man, we got to halt the printing presses and get that word quickly to, to Nashville or wherever they print the Bibles, right? And make sure every Bible has that word of, from God. That just doesn't make sense. No, no, we have the complete word of God. God has spoken. It's sufficient right now to speak to you and to me. God may inspire us to do something, His Spirit, but God's not enlightening us and giving us a fresh word, listen, for all of mankind. So be careful about those Bible studies who said, you know, Jesus is talking, all right, to us. No, He isn't, all right? He speaks right here in this certain word, this word that's true. In fact, let me show you. You want me to show you what happens? Look over at chapter 3 for a moment. Because there were some who were arguing for personal, mystical, special knowledge that you had to have. Uh, there was this early group, they ultimately became called the Gnostics, the knowing ones, right? And if you didn't have their privileged, special knowledge, you really couldn't know God. And Peter kind of highlights, you know, the, the, here's maybe the first part of them that were coming in over in Second Peter chapter 3. Look down in verse 14. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless. And consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. Watch this. As also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given him, has written to you. In other words, Peter's saying, hey, Paul wrote some epistles. You need to read them. God has given him some revelation that, that we need to read. Now watch this. As also in his epistles, speaking in them to these things, in which are some things hard to understand. Anybody say amen? I've read Paul, man. Sometimes I don't understand what he's saying. This preacher does, okay. Watch this, but watch what certain people do. Which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction as they do with the rest of scriptures. In other words, listen. Some people... They don't take the Word of God and let the Word of God interpret the Word of God, but they add their own twist to it. They have their own thinking on it. And when they do that, they bring their own speculative knowledge in there. And when they do that, they lead people astray. They're the false teachers. John warns about them in his epistles. Peter warns about them. Jude warns about them. And, and that's what the early church was dealing with. Hey, by the way, warning, it's happening today. All right? Just because someone gets up, it says, oh yeah, thus saith the Lord. If they don't open this word and come verse, precept, principle right here in the book, pun it. Okay? Be Bereans. Be studying the word and letting scripture interpret scripture. And be consistent and grounded in the word of God. You don't need speculative knowledge. You don't need special knowledge. We have certain knowledge. God has spoken to us in his word. And what that word does is it brings grace and it brings peace. And it multiplies it. Praise the Lord this morning.
I can experience that. You can experience. We can know God. We can know God just as the apostles do. But we know him just as they did through the word. They knew him through the word. God speaks. He reveals something. And you choose to believe on him. It's amazing. What people will do to come to know God. The lengths to which they'll go. Some people will go on pilgrimage. They'll fly all across to, to special holy sites. On, and they'll, they'll do all kinds of activities and just to know God. Some will go to the top of mountains. And they'll sit in a lotus style. And they'll burn incense and go, hmm. And say, I just want to know him. Some go out into nature and they hug trees and think, I can know God being close to nature. Listen, all you got to do right here is take this book, sit down, and open your heart and say, God, speak to me. God, speak. That's, that's the experience. That's about how far you have to take a step to have a journey to know God right here with his word. I have to have a heart that wants to hear what God's going to say and an ear. Go read Proverbs chapter 2. How do you study your Bible? Proverbs chapter 2. If you incline your ear, treasure what he's going to say, cry out, God, help me to understand. He'll show you who he is. We'll get to that in just a couple weeks here when we study the word. That's how we open and know God. And God wants us to be, wants to be known. He wants to make himself known. Why? Because he wants to transform your life. He wants to change our lives. He wants to make us something that we aren't yet. And he does that through the word. Now, we can know God just like the apostles. We can know God through his word, but we know him when we act on his provision. God has given us something. In verses 3 and 4, he highlights this. His divine power has given to us, listen, all things that pertain to life and godliness. Everything you need, everything I need, listen, for life, for daily living, and to live godly, which is like God, which he would want us to be if we worship him, become like him. We'll learn that next week, I think. How, what do you, you know, why you worship the right thing? Because you're going to become like the object you worship. God has given us his divine power, everything you and I need for life and godliness. Through what? Notice this. Here's that word again. Through the knowledge of him who's called us by glory and virtue. When you come to know God, listen, when you come to know him in his word, God speaks to you, God speaks to me, and he reveals himself to us so that we might become more like him and we might experience the life that he has for us. And his power has been given to us to make that possible. When did that happen? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Go over to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 through 12. Over there in 1 Peter chapter 1, what we have is the word, I'm sorry, chapter, verses 22 through 23. Listen to what Peter says. Since you have purified your souls, when did we do that? In obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently and with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. Peter says, listen, we came to have faith, we came to have a relationship with God when the Spirit of God spoke to our hearts and the Word of God was applied to our hearts and we repented and we placed our faith in Him and we were born again. We were regenerated. We were born again. I hope you've experienced that. If you haven't, you can have that experience this morning. You can say, God, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I believe Jesus died for me. Speak to my heart. And Peter says, you've obtained this precious faith this way. The Spirit of God, the power of Almighty God, has come in your heart and in your life and taken the Word of God and applied it to your life. And what happens is that saves us. It transforms our life. And we obeyed the truth that was spoken to us. That power, he says over in 2 Peter, was given to us and 
in order that we might have everything we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him. And not only that, but He's also given us exceedingly precious or great and precious promises. In other words, God has spoken. And when God speaks, He says, listen, you remember that show? I'm going to show my age for a moment. Let's make a deal. Monty. Okay. All right. I show how old I am. It is gray. Listen, <clears throat> let's make a deal. God does this kind of deal with us, though. He says, listen, I'm going to promise something. I'm going to promise myself to you. And even when you're faithless, I'm still going to be faithful. Whoo, what an amazing God. He made this promise like with a father of faith called Abraham. Do you know him? You see, God spoke to him. He says, listen, I'm going to give you some precious promises, Abraham. How about this? I'm going to give you some seed and some soil. I'm going to give you a promised son. And I'm going to also going to give you a promised land. And you're going to dwell there with your seed in that promised land. Well, Abraham didn't realize that that seed ultimately wasn't many sons, as numerous as the sons and star, as the stars of heaven. No, no, that seed was the Messiah. And the land where Christ will dwell with his people is the promised land. It is Israel. God will dwell there for a thousand years. Christ will reign and rule there as he has promised. But promises are given. Why? God pledges himself in some way. He says, this is who I am. This is what I'm like. This is why you should trust in me. And then you have to make a decision. Will I take God at his word and believe he is who he says he is? Will I take God at his word and believe he's able to do what only he can do? Will I take him at his word and walk by faith and say, I choose to believe, I choose to trust in him, I'm going to obey him no matter what he says. That's the challenge for all of us. And God gives us these precious promises over and over and over again. He gives them, and it's exceedingly given, it's just abundantly given, and they're great, and they're of great value. They're precious to us. Why? Because you see, when God gives those promises, beloved, He is a God that blesses. He is a God that is promising good. He is a promising that is not wanting evil for us. No, He wants good things to happen to us. And He wants us to trust in Him and believe in Him. Just like Father Abraham, just like many saints did. In fact, it's fascinating. You can put in the margin of your Bible, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 through 12. As he writes over there in 1 Peter chapter 1 about the precious promises that were given concerning the Messiah. Listen to these amazing promises. Of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things which the angels desire to look into. You see, these promises, Peter says, that the Spirit of God was inspiring those prophets to write, they were writing like Isaiah. And he's writing about a coming king. Oh man, I wonder when this coming king is going to come. When this coming king is going to come and, and bring peace to the hearts of his God's people. When this light will dawn on, on a day of darkness and those who dwell in, in gloom and those who dwell in a shadow of death won't have to live in fear any longer. Oh, I wonder when this, and who's this suffering servant I'm writing about? I wonder who he is. And, and Isaiah was writing, he didn't see the whole plan of God, but he saw pictures of it that were going to happen. And the amazing thing is those promises were fulfilled, at least the suffering servant part, amen? That's what he came, Christ came and, and fulfilled all those promises that, that by his stripes we could be healed. 
that God would esteem him smitten and stricken by God and afflicted for you and for me and for this world. Amazing. Isaiah saw it. He didn't know what time it would happen and when it would happen, but he saw it. And he also saw the second coming, the the coming of the king who would come and triumphantly reign and rule. We're looking forward to that day, amen? But realize, not just Isaiah and other prophets were reading and trying to understand it. The angels were looking and going, what in the world is that? What does that mean? What are they writing down? By the way, do you study the Word of God like that? Do, do I come to the Word of God, or I, do I have it all figured out? Do I come and go, man, what's the Lord saying? I wonder what He's saying here. And do you have an, an like, God might surprise you. Like, oh, God, what's in His Word? Do, do I come with a heart that wants to hear God speak? Because He can be known. The question is, do I want to know Him? Do I want to know what he's going to say to me? Because if I do, then I will experience his grace. And I'll experience these amazing, precious promises that he's given. That for you and for me, transform our lives. They enable us to be partakers of the divine nature. What do you mean by that? We're going to become little gods? Are we like Mormons now? No! We don't become gods, but we do become like God. In this sense, we will put on glorified bodies one day that's the divine nature we're going to put on you and i don't think don't have this misconception like the mormons that is heresy we don't become gods and get our own little planets Uh uh-uh no 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 here's what the word of god says god who listen who didn't regard jesus who didn't regard equality with god as something to hold on to he emptied himself and put on this human nature why did he put on that human nature that we'd have the potential to put on divine nature. It was through his death on the cross, listen, and paying the penalty for sin that you and I, through repentance and faith and trusting him, one day, when we do that, we have the divine nature we can be partakers of. The spirit of Almighty God comes and dwells in us. His power dwells in us. And he takes the word of God and he speaks to us and enables us to know him, to be known by him, and one day to be like him. Not to be gods. Please, I did not say that. Do not, that's not what we become. But we become like God, having glorified bodies. And I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to mine. Because this one's breaking down, amen? But it's even greater than that. To dwell in a place and a presence with no more sin. No more sorrow, no more death, no more tears. Praise God we're living for that each and every day. And Peter says, you can know him just like we knew him. You can know him through your word. And you can know him because of these provisions that he has given. He has given us his power, his spirit of God. He has given us his promises to trust in. Take him at his word. That's what I'm challenging you in 2023. Choose to believe when God speaks, he wants to transform your life. When God speaks, he wants to do something radically to change you and I from our sinful human natures, this carnal flesh, and the appetites and the lusts of this corrupt world that's literally the word in the Greek for corruption there is rotting, decaying. Can you look out on the horizon and see all the rot and decay around us? Oh, Lord, help us. Deliver us. Amen. God came to save us from that. Jesus came and shed his blood to save us from that. And when you and I repent and put our faith and trust in him, as our lives are transformed by his word, listen, we don't have to worry fear that anymore. We're not living for death. Praise God. Death is the best thing that can happen to us because we enter into his presence. We can know God. It is absolutely true. You can know him this morning. And you can know him through his word. If your heart will surrender and yield to the spirit of God and say, okay, You're God and I'm not. You know a lot more than I do. 
I'm willing to surrender. And this year, I just want to walk by faith and believe you are who you say you are in your word. You see, Paul says over in Romans chapter 10, verse 8, what does it say? The word is near you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus, the Lord Jesus, and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the name, same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. God can be known. Do you want to know him this morning? Because if you do, all you have to do is take a step of repentance and a step of faith. A step of repentance and a step of faith. That's the way we always come to him. Turning from sin and from self, I turn to God and I walk towards him. I hear the Spirit speaking in my heart. I believe the promises that are in his word. Jesus says, if you come to me, I'll give you life. I'll give it abundantly. But you must be born again. Have you been born again? That's the only way you've come to know him, is if your life has been born again and you're now living in newness of life. And if you are a believer and have experienced that, are you growing in your faith? Are you maturing in your faith? Because he's going to write about that in the next section. You can study that later this week in chapter uh, verses 5 through 7. And how our faith should be growing. As we know him more and more, we should be maturing. And there should be evidence and testimony to those around us. Man, they really know God. Look at them. Not that the attention's on us, the attention's on him. Man, they really know the Almighty. In fact, you have a choice. If you look last, real quick before I close, last verse. Go to the very end of the, of, of, of the, of the uh, epistle. Second Peter chapter 3. Verse 18. Actually, verse 17. Here's our prayer. You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware, lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away from the heirs with the heirs of the wicked, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Maybe some of us need to get on the altar this morning to make a recommitment. I just want to grow in grace, not in disgrace. I want to grow in grace in 2023. I want to grow in a way that there is glory going back to my Savior because my life is being transformed. And I'm growing in that grace and in the knowledge of him. Can I make a commitment? You know what? I'm going to open my pack of cards. And you know what? I'm actually going to memorize God's word. I'm, I don't care how old you are. Hey, listen, you say, well, this noggin can't just take anymore. Well, you start trying. Don't give up. God is able to do amazing things. Are you limiting God? Please don't. We're going to discover he's almighty. He's God of all possibilities. But maybe we need to just get on the altar this morning as men. Listen, I'm going to lead my family to know God. I want, to, I want this to be a rich study of God's word each and every Sunday and then a rich study throughout the week as I grow to know him. Maybe today you need to repent and place your faith in Jesus. You can know him if you just come forward and just say, I just want to know him today.